All right, so I, I got to tell you, one of the things that I, I notice as a lawyer, Ari, is how people want to hear certain words and they hear what they want to hear. Okay, they want it and they hear it. So I say this, for example, some clients, not all of my clients, but they come in with a case and they talk up what the case is about and I'll tell them, well, it looks like you might have a case here. I, you know, that's of course not a guarantee, um, but nevertheless, you know, I'm, I might be interested in taking this case. And frankly, I'd rather be on your side of the case than on the other side of the case because, you know, for example, this promissory note shows that you're owed money, and you're saying that he wasn't that you you have been you have been paid that money, right, Brock? Okay, uh, there's some defenses and such like that, but uh, you know we'll see. I don't know. What, what's the percentage that you think of, we, uh, of us winning? I said, oh, I, you know, I never get a percentage. But I can tell you that I'm willing to take this case on. I'd rather be on your side of the case. Let's put it that way. That's all I can say. But there's no guarantees. Okay, so from that, what did you hear, Ari? If you're the client, no, no sorry, you're not the client. Just a third party having no involvement in this case. Okay. Now, what remember, did you hear? you're talking to me. And so right. I have a bit of background from being around you a little bit. All right. So this is what I heard, and I'm being absolutely sincere. What I heard is you don't want to represent the other guy. That's correct. That's what I heard. I heard you're not so hot on this guy, but you're really not hot on the other well, case, I, I, first on of the all, other side of the case. For, first of all, I can't, yeah. I mean, by definition, I couldn't represent the other guy anyway because oh, it's a conflict. Of course, but, but I'm saying the other side sounds like it's a worse position than this side, but this side doesn't sound that great, you know? Oh, well, I'd, I'd rather the client or prospective client hear that. I'm just simply saying to them, look, you never know what's going to happen. You know how many times, in fact, here, here's what happens. A lot of clients, not all of them, but a lot of clients will say, so you're telling me I have a slam dunk case. <laughs> like, no, I've never said that in the history of my time as a lawyer. Okay, so what never. you were saying is, okay, <laughs> yeah. is you were saying is you have only a chance in hell to have sex with Angelina Jolie in the next 10 minutes. Right. And them saying, wow, I have a chance. <laughs> exactly. Something like that. Right. that yeah. That's, that's the other side of that. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. But can you said there's a chance. Can know? we say Penelope Cruz just for my fantasy purposes for the time being? Okay. Thank you. Michelle Pfeiffer, Penelope Wait, Cruz. Star. How old are you? It, th these, are, these women that you're talking about are, were stars in the 80s. And you know what? What's the matter with if you? If you watch the movie Into the Night, she hasn't aged a day. All right. All right. You still could use a younger, uh, say, 20-something or even 30-something woman for now. What's the matter with you? New movies suck. That's the problem. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. Haven't you seen... Uh, what's a movie that I'm looking for? You can't even think of one. I can't even think of one. There you go. All right. Let's get to the point. The point is that people hear what they want to hear. Right. It's, it's so bizarre. Um, you, you, and then you have to spend... So much time, and this is as a lawyer, but we'll extend it to other things. You'll see in a moment. Then you spend so much time saying what you didn't say. 
Right. That's my. That's. It's like a marriage. Right. And I was just going to say, <laughs> now you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's right. Men especially. Say, I should say it's like being in a marriage to any woman other than my wife, because oh, yeah. my wife, we don't have much of. She's this perfect. Problem. Yeah. She's not. She would get angry if I called her perfect because she's. She would say that's a demeaning, unrealistic level of expectation for her. Right. But she's. It's a lot like dating your best friend or being married to your best friend that you have a really good communications with. Like if me and you got married, which is totally legal, and we understand most of what we say to each other. We can finish each other's sentences. Bingo. In fact, you try to do that a little too often. Absolutely. Okay. Now. And you should let me do it more (laughs) because I have something to contribute, damn it. So anyone who has met uh, Ari's lovely wife will say the following. Clearly, this woman has a massive insecurity problem. No, no. Oh, yes, they yes. Say, they say clearly her eyes and ears don't work very well. Well, that too. That too. No, but the problem is we know that you could tell it. She can see clearly. She drives without glasses and so So obviously there's something else going on because there's no way in hell that any normal human being without male genitals would be interested in this man, Ari David. I love Ari at the same time. Why? Why? You could do so much better. Okay, sorry. Everyone tells her that. You know, her <laughs> own family tells her. You know, my family told her that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they, they always do. They're doing a mitzvah for the world. Yeah, they've, they've told her literally, I think you're a loser because you've married that loser. That's right. That's right. And she goes, but he's your son. And they say, that's the point. <laughs> we do know him. They actually, I think in sort of a moment of unclarity, they said something along the lines of they would give her money to marry someone else that they liked better. <laughs> only, only for the sake of the gene pool of the, of the entire world. <laughs> that's right. I get it. Anyway, the point is, I, I do worry for the, the Davids of the world. Everyone worries for us, but right. you know. Anyway. Well, who do you worry more for, our family or everyone else exposed to our family? That's true. It's a good point. <laughs> right. Yes, yes. Uh, remember, the, the restraining order tells you not to use the word exposure. Uh, okay, so just keep that in mind. I thought it just said I can't go into Michelle's office. Oh, Jesus. You can't go into anybody's office. I All right. don't. All right, remember, armed guards on the way out. All right. Okay, we're being quite silly. Look, the point is that people say, hear what they, what they want to hear, and it's a very powerful thing, and, and it's true. In marriage, a lot of times, uh, men especially, but I'm sure women too, will sometimes say, look, I'm, uh, take, take the, the cliche of the, the, does this address make me look fat, right? All right. So a man will say in response to that, no, sweetie. You look great, okay? Which you and I would think is a very safe response, right? But no, no, no. (laughs) Women hear something very different. They're saying, aha, so you're saying I'm ugly. Or anything else other than what you just said to her, which is, no, honey, you look great in that dress, right? So you have to explain all the things that you didn't say. And that's very frustrating, right? Now, that doesn't have any social ramifications. The world will not end. You know, uh, people will not die in the streets. Cats and dogs will not sleep together. There, there are issues that will not be affected by your simple conversation with your wife. However, it is very important in the law, I can tell you, 
that you have to you have to go the extra mile of, of saying the things that you're not saying. So, for example, I have learned in the past, I don't know, 15 years now, to constantly say, no guarantees, right? Even if I like something, I like the case, I like the facts. Look, these facts are, I think, good facts in my personal opinion, but no guarantees. Anything can happen at trial. I have to say that. And it's a shame. It shouldn't be that way. Now, it extends way beyond uh, marriages and extends way beyond my uh, relationship with clients and with people that I'm dealing with opposing counsel uh, or judges for that matter. It's you, you have to specifically state what you're not saying at the same time. Have you ever noticed, by the way, that whenever there is a vagueness in whatever you're saying, that the other side will interpret it in their favor? Always. Okay. Well, why wouldn't they? Well, exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, ex well, if there's vagueness, though, you would you would think that they would say, uh, "Well, I'm not too clear what you mean. Which Tuesday are you talking about? Are you talking about this Tuesday, or Tuesday the 15th, for example?" Ah, okay. Well, now we have clarity for lunch. Um, so they 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 say, "Well, I assumed it was Tuesday. My Tuesday, you know, the Tuesday that worked out well for them for whatever reason." And you met the Tuesday, the 15th. So they never assume it you're in your favor, okay? Um, it's like the monopoly thing, you know, where bank, uh, you know, charges you in your favor. It never happens, right? When was the last time you ever got a credit from your bank saying that, you know, you, you've, got, you've gotten some sort of credit? And everyone's very frustrated with this. So no matter what happens, it always seems to be that the, the, the mistake always seems to be against you, not in your favor. Very rarely. Uh, the IRS... The franchise tax board, uh, credit card companies, mortgage companies, uh, and and anything in law, for example. Restaurants, bars, coffee houses, you name right. it. Right. People will make yeah. the assumption in their favor. Okay. So that's why you need clarity. Uh, do try to do things by email and everything else. But people hear things that they want to hear. They understand things the way the way they they think is most suitable for them. Um, now, here's an example, and and then people, of course, twist things in the most bizarre way. One of the things, you know, politically speaking, like Trump's comments regarding Charlottesville. You'll, re you'll recall he said, there are good people on both sides of the issue. The question then becomes, what's the issue of which he spoke, right? Well, the issue was, to we, we conservatives, the, the issue was whether or not it was appropriate to take down these statues of Confederate figures, historical figures, right? And there are good people on, on both sides of that issue. That makes sense to you and me. But to a Trump hater, uh, like so many of our friends on the left, they decided that what he meant was, and, and, and they are certain of it, <laughs> that he meant that there are good Nazis and there are bad Nazis, right? <laughs> there, there are good white supremacists and there are bad white supremacists. And you think to yourself, because I don't think it was that vague, right? Even if it is vague, you have to go, at some point you have to go to the, to the interpretation that is most com commonsensical, you right? Mean likely? The most likely, right. At yeah, some point good, you need to Good luck that. with that with our friends on the left. Yeah, I, I, I could, I don't know if our friends could see, uh, our listeners can, can see your air quotes when you do that, but that's okay. Oh, our listeners are smart. They know I have no friends on the left. <laughs> That's true. Well, so good. Yeah, good luck with that. The, the problem is that they, they will just not appreciate anything they that anything that comes out 
they will interpret the most bizarre way. For example, another example, Trump recently said happy holidays in his uh, reference uh, to, to, you know, his greetings to the world. So the left is not happy about that. Why couldn't he say Merry Christmas, right? And Obama had said Merry Christmas and nobody batted an eye. That was okay. Um, so again, it, it's, they, they interpret him being somehow uh, by, by saying happy holidays that he was being anti-Christian. You see, he doesn't like being Christians, uh, the Christians. Okay, well, oh, great. So the, here's, here we go again. Um, the same thing with uh, how he dealt with, um, um, you know, all the shootings, how he deals with Iraq and how he deals with Syria right now, how he dealt with Afghanistan, how he, how he deals with North Korea, how he deals with China, how he deals with um, uh, the border security, for example, right? Here we have a situation where he says, look, I just, you know, I want to go forward with uh, funding the border wall. And never mind that the left has... And specifically, the Democratic presidents in the past have said we need a border wall. So he's merely echoing what former Democrat and Republican presidents have said: let's get more security on the border. So when they, when he says he wants it, however, they interpret it in the way they want to hear it, which is racism, right? He he doesn't like people who are of Latin American descent. Okay, they hear what they want to hear. So we live in that world. Now, how do, how do we dance around that, Ari? Right? How, do you, how do you get around that? Well, first of all, understand that people are hearing what they want to hear. They are, when you are speaking to a lefty, let me, let me make this very clear to everyone. Every time you speak to a lefty, they are waiting for you to say the word black, to say the word Christian, to say the word... Social Muslim. security, Muslim, yes, that's good, or gay or transgender. They can't wait because in their minds, you are a three-headed dragon uh, spewing out fire uh, that is uh, you know, the ultimate enemy of the entire nation and, for that matter, the world. So they can't wait for you to, to speak. And, uh, and, and we've all had this circumstance where you're surrounded by friends on the left, and then they say, well, how can you defend Trump? So you start using your reasonable tone and everything else. And in their minds, they hear these crazy words coming out of your mouth. It's a little bit like um, the, the, the movie Madagascar and, and many other movies, right, where the lions and all the animals can hear each other talking and they're all sensible and such. But to the humans, you, you hear how the humans see them and the humans are hearing these ferocious animals uh, you know, roar at them, and they're terrified. When in fact, you know, the, Alex the lion is simply trying to communicate in a very nice and pleasant way. Um, so that's that's the way they see you, okay? And they they want to see you that way. So how do we deal with that? I, I I wonder. I think that the best way to deal with it is simply to put them on their heels. Always put it, putting them on their heels is always the best. Now I'm not saying go fully Ari David on them, my friends. I would never suggest you go Ari David on them. Now, just so <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Oh, you know what, what I mean. What exactly does going Ari David on them mean to you? <laughs> Very good. Oh, you're learning. <laughs> it means you go ape crap on them. I don't time. go ape crap on them. I just call them racist first. <laughs> I start off, you're a racist. 
Okay? Right. You vote for Obama for one of two reasons. Either because you like his skin color, which is racist, or you like his policies, which are bad for black people, which means they're racist. So what kind of racist are you? The skin color racist or the policy racist? Right. We've established you're the racist. All right, so now— Bam! Okay, so you don't do that? Because no, I think that's the way to get them on their heels. Hey, look, you, you definitely get them on their heels. Uh, nevertheless, how do you think they hear you? Now I'm curious. What do you think they think? Oh, you've seen this before. I have. But what they, do you think they're thinking? They get so confused, they start doing what I call the twitch, which is a little thing like this. And then, like, sideways words of incomplete. I believe when we took grammar in, in elementary school, they call it phrases. But it's not even as articulate or complete as a phrase, right? But they, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with this. And then they leave. Right, That's, right, right. And I go victory. Okay, what? Yeah. Okay. I know, but I don't another know. one. You, they, they can't deal with it. They run away, but then they tell their lefty friends how they met a crazy conservative. That's what, the, that's what they're saying. Okay, so, so we acknowledge this, right? So, like, you and I were recently at a function for our That's what I was school. thinking of. Okay, good. Yes. All right, so you and I were at a school <laughs> function. It was a dinner. It was really nice where they had this thing welcoming uh, the first graders, I guess, first grade parents. And you all get together because you're going to be hanging out for the year. Let's get to know one another, right? So it's very sweet. And uh, so we sit down at a table, and there between us, I believe, was a dad of one of the other first graders. And uh, we'll call him Brian. <laughs> and uh, Brian, as it turns out, was a lefty, a southpaw, if you will. Anyway, uh, it, it became very clear when there's a couple of adjectives he had said about Trump. And so, okay, he's, he's, this, this guy's a lefty. And uh, Ari, you went ahead and you said some choice words. Uh, and you, you basically used exactly the, the kind of format that you just described right now. And, and he did get flummoxed. I mean, it was really quite... And you saw the twitch. Yes. And, uh, and I was able to be, you know, it was good cop, bad cop. I mean, we were literally on, on either side of him. It was kind of funny. It was like doing this show yeah. with him sitting right here. Right, exactly. It was hilarious. It was very funny. And I was able to say, oh, you don't want to get angry. Hey, are you angry? No. no come on. <laughs> okay. Whatever you say, I agree with you, Barack. <laughs> yeah, that works well and when you, you said, have the Barack yeah, and, and RA team him, working. Yeah. Like, hold on, hold on. Okay. It works well when you have the Barack and RA team doing exactly what I just described. <laughs> then they will run to me. They will sign up for anything to get away from Ari. Okay. But what happens when you don't have an Ari? Do you go full Ari? That's the question. And that's why we call this uh, episode, Do You Go Full Ari? No, no, no. He's, he's, we're not going to do that. Jesus. He thinks we're going to call this podcast. This title. We go full Ari. <laughs> Don't, you never go full Ari. You never go full Ari. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just can't work under these conditions. All right. So, so, so what I do, I'm not saying it's the right. And maybe your, your approach is the better one. I, I just don't know. The end of the day... The approach that works is the one, and I think you would agree with me, is that it germinates something in their brain. It may not convert them, you know, within that moment or even that the next day or the next week, but maybe a month from now, suddenly they saw, they, they think, maybe I'm off on this. Maybe I can look at this a, a different way, right? And that's the road toward switching the, the side, right? So I don't know if my, my approach is, is better. I just know that it's an approach I feel is effective. I, I say it as a lawyer also. And you have to present yourself to a jury a lot of times, right? You, 
so I, I often find myself saying to a judge or a jury or anyone whose mind I'm trying to convince to say, well, what do you think? I mean, do you think that it's reasonable, for example, to, I don't know, deliver uh, the supply, you know, within five minutes of when he's supposed to? Or, or do you think that we should all live in a technical world where if you're one second after the due date and the due time of the day, that uh, you, get to, you lose all the marbles? I mean, do we want to live in that world, you know? And it's asking these questions that, that change the whole dynamic. So I find that to be effective. Now, sometimes you can't really do that in, in the liberal discussion or discussion with liberals. Uh, I, I, I have one safe space whenever I speak to a lefty, always. And I tell them, look, I'm about to ask you a question. If you can answer it, then I will vote Democrat for the rest of my life and go you know, vote for a proposition as you please, as you tell me to vote for it for the rest of my life as well. You will get me to do that. And if you can do me, show me one thing, and then they, they're always eager. Then, uh-huh. yeah, yeah uh-huh. They, they, they are salivating because they, they think they've got a great opportunity. And then I tell them, I've got some ground rules, okay? There are some things that you, you'll be tempted to answer which are wrong right off the bat, all right? So here's the question, here's the challenge. And then I'll tell you what you cannot answer with. There's only like two or three that you cannot answer with. National parks. <laughs> so I say, tell, you know, the, my classic line, which is, show me one liberal policy that conservatives have opposed that has worked. Okay? You do that. And I'll do all, you know, I'll vote Democrat, vote proposition-wise as you please for the rest of my life. And then I say, and here's the caveat, you cannot say Social, social Security. The fact that something exists doesn't mean that it's working. Right, and I always use the example of, you know, you know that uh, that uncle that you may have who's a drunkard and he's still alive. He's still, and he's, and he's in your basement. He's not working. That that doesn't mean that your policy of feeding him every once in a while and letting him play video games and he doesn't see the day of uh, the, the the light of day any day and, and is not a member of productive a product, productive member of society means that he is working quote unquote right. So. Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. Don't pretend to me that it's working. Okay, it's going to collapse on its own weight. Yeah. All right. So clearly, it's not a self-sustaining mechanism. Yeah. And National and if you, Parks is a conservative policy. Right. So whether it works or not, it ain't a liberal policy. Oh, I'll, I'll <laughs> even I'll even stop you. Even if it were a liberal policy, let's say that they, that the liberals somehow had uh, carved out all this wonderful land and and let the government run this wonderful land. I'd say that's a failure too. I mean, have you looked? Have you gone to uh, to Yellowstone recently? Have you gone to uh, Yosemite? These are these these places are very mismanaged. I mean, it's hard to find a campsite. It shouldn't be like this, right? And and look at what uh, happened with Central Park. Central Park was a public park. It was a disaster. It was you wanted to get raped, go into Central Park. You want to get money, you want to lose your money, go into. To Central Park. There's your place, okay? Well, where can I get raped now? Where can I lose my money now? <laughs> well, you're going to have to... It's so hard to find It's so place. hard, yeah. I, you know, I now have to go to a college campus for that. I know. Well, you, yeah. have, a, you have a one in five <laughs> chance of, of experiencing that. Horrible. Bunch of idiots. Doesn't actually happen, of course, but why not say it? <laughs> yeah, those are their numbers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but everyone should go to college. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wait a minute. This is the same place you tell me my, my daughter, at least, will have a one in five chance. I think it's one in four in some chance, some circumstances. Anyway, Central Park is a good example because that was a horrific place to uh, to visit. You would be an idiot to go there, even in the daytime. 
it was dangerous. It looked ugly. It looked creepy. It was like, you know, that scene out of Beauty and the Beast where uh, the, the, the father is choosing the different paths between, between uh, you know, the shortcut, the, the, the long way, but nicer, you know, really pretty, you know. Yeah. And the shortcut, the shortcut the shortcut with thorns Yeah, and it's dark. dark. And... Yeah, exactly. And the lightning bolts <laughs> oh, for some we'll reason. Oh, no, let's go to the shortcut. And the horse is neighing like, oh, what are you doing? It's hysterical. So you would never go to Central Park. It was exactly like that, that dark, you know. Uh, scary place. So that's what it was. And then finally, one day during the Rudy Giuliani days, of course, they, they completely revamped the whole thing. What, what did they do? They basically licensed it out to private enterprises yeah. uh, who then were responsible for making it clean and, and wanted to make it clean. Why? Because they wanted to attract customers. The last thing you want to do is to make your place scary and dirty looking and, and offensive or whatever, or smelly for that matter. So sure enough, beautiful place. Suddenly, it's a great place to walk and, and relax. You don't, you don't hear about muggings in Central Park anymore. So more to your point, uh, it's nice that you pointed at national parks, but it's not what it should be. Right. Okay? So if it was, if it was actually left to um, you know, simply to license it out, as long as they have caveats saying you can't, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it has to be run this way with this style right. of, you But you know. can make money off of this process. Yeah. Hey, Walt Disney Company, we run Yosemite for us? That'd be fine. You know, can you bring all that cleanliness and efficiency of Disneyland where you get millions of people in there every day right. and the lines are only so long, relatively right. speaking? Right. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. do that. That's right. And they would they would charge for, um, you know, the campsites and all that stuff. And it would be a, a reasonable wait because... The price would reflect the amount of time that you need, whatever it is. So you, you get the idea. So um, that's that's the national parks, and I didn't want to drill down yeah, too much. Point is, that. they never are able to answer that question. Never. They cannot. And you do the beautiful Andrew Breitbart uh, technique, which I love as far as a focus technique. You say, "Give me one example," one. because that prevents the lefty loony wrongest from being able to what I call jump tracks. Well, versus pornography, you know, attacks on, pushes bad, evil, Blackwater. You right. know how they do oh, that good, word good salad on issues yep. when they start arguing back at you about why something's good or bad. And the next thing you know, it's like, I, I'm sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about or what language you're speaking yeah. in. I, I thought we were, I thought we were talking about the national parks right. there. All <laughs> I want is one program. Give me one program. Just one program. That's all. Yeah. And, and, and the world lights up for you. I will be a Democrat. Yeah. For the moment, you tell me one that actually, where, where I say, you got me. Yeah. Yep, yep. I, I guess I, I, I guess I've yeah. been clear, not, clear, clear on that. And that is the one, the, the one policy argument. So what they will do instead, of course, is trump this and trump that. I don't like his tweets. I think he's brash. I think he's, he's a buffoon. I think he's crazy. I, do we want somebody uh, of his reputation and and? Um, uh, you know, anti-woman stature, and we, he's probably a racist too uh, in the White House, and we need somebody with decency, like you know JFK and Obama, and, uh, and Carter Bill, and, and Bill Clinton, who was so great to women. He yeah. was a champion of women. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he was on top of them all yeah, the time. Was yeah, top absolutely of them right. All the time. Yeah. He was fighting. He was scratching, scratching beating, hitting. Terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible man. Just a horrible man. Exactly. And, and now that the funny yeah. thing is, in the same way. You know, this is a this this would be its own podcast, but I, I want to kind of explore this with you. I've said before that liberals always see lefties always recognize evil in the past. It's very important. Bear with me. This they you know for many many years after World War II, they were able to say those Nazis, 
bad guys, right? They recognized, yep, it was bad. But of course, at the time, and before the time, they were like, maybe Hitler's got a thing, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe we can learn from him. Eugenics yes. shows a lot of prog- <laughs> progress in uh, how are we going to handle the disparities within the black community. And, you know, that abortion's very good, and eugenics is great. And, oh, you, yes. know, uh, you know, they do things so efficiently in the South, you yes, know, with do. those, you know, how they keep all the races separated so, you know, we don't, you know, mix our this right. and that. And, by the way, Hitler learned a lot from the South, and, and, and that's, <laughs> I know he really did. Yeah, he but learned that's everything from the, the point is, yeah. the point is, from... Uh, uh, Joseph Kennedy, JFK's father, and JFK himself, they they looked quite admiringly at Hitler. But of course, you know, history changed circumstances and they realized, oh my God, we uh, Hitler guy, <laughs> not a good guy to associate yeah. with. We, 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 we better not uh, champion this guy. So sure enough, Nazis, bad. Okay, they get it some 40 years later or whatever. Yeah, that damn Eisenhower went in there with those those cameras and yeah. took pictures. Those damn kids were in their yeah. old plans. That's right. And if he didn't do it, they would say, oh, yeah, those Jews, they exaggerate. Right. That's, that's what he would say. Yeah, well, that say. never happens. Yeah, no. never happened. No. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's one thing. So then, of course, during communism. Now, this is beautiful because you and I were living around the time of the communist era, the Cold War. And I remember in law school and before, these bastards on the left were saying phrases like, when you, when you told them that <clears throat> they don't have freedom in, in, in the communist Russia, the Soviet Union, and it's horrible what they're doing. And then they responded with idiocies like this, saying, um, well, what does freedom mean? You know, maybe they have different kinds of freedom. Well, what do you mean, Bob? And Bob says, you know, freedom from illiteracy, freedom from want, freedom from poverty, freedom from, uh, you name it, uh, from, from uh, homelessness. Yeah. So, freedom from the nine to five job in this five yes, day work day. That's right. Oh, it's, freedom from religion. Right, from, yeah, exactly. Right? right. That's what they would say. Yeah. And you would hear this nonsense. And then, of course, the Soviet Union collapsed of its own weight, as it always, uh, as socialism always does. And then they begin to realize, okay, suddenly they, they have these movies like um, Steven Spielberg did recently with Tom Hanks in it, I think it was, where there was the East Bridge German, of Spies. Bridge of Spies, which is a good movie, by the way. But it, it, it clearly showcased the East Germans as the evil guys and the Soviets as the evil guys. No issue there. Now they recognize that Soviet-style communism, at least, was really, really bad. Okay. Yeah, no, they haven't that, recognized that yet with China, but you know, one day they will. Well, when that's in the past, they will. Yeah, yeah once because, it's in the past. Yeah. But you, it has to be 30 or 40 years in the rearview mirror before they say, that, that crap was bad. Right. And I'm, really <laughs> sorry, I'm really sorry to do this to you, but I, I just this is like bursting out of me. It's like Michael Jackson with the song of music where I just have to sing. Right. Because at the time, I just remember it so well, they would say, they would quote Sting and they'd say, I hope the Russians love their children too. And no, <laughs> and we know the Russians love their children oh, too. I see. You might have the lyric right, but I just remember them right. paraphrasing and probably getting it wrong because Sting was smarter than them. Right. Yeah, but, they, but the Russians... Russians love their children. No, they don't. No, they, don't. They, they, they were cannon fodder. <laughs> All right. So um, that's that's one thing. So they, they no, so now going to, I just had an epiphany about this, and this is the reason why I bring it up. Bill Clinton, right, was a hero, right, for, for the Democrats. He was the great guy that somehow brought us a fantastic economy in the 90s. Uh, never mind that he didn't do that, but that's another story. In their eyes, he did. 
and he was a, he presided over a fantastic economy, and he he was good with the rest of the world. What a great presidency his eight years were. Um, and now, in hindsight, they say, "Wow, what a horrible man he was." Me too. Because of the Me Too movement, and now we see, because it's been what twenty five or so years, more or less, since his presidency, and we get to look at him with some, uh, you know, uh, uh, at least one eyebrow lifted. And we see that this guy was a monster. And suddenly now the Democrats are all about hating Clinton or at least disrespecting him for what he did with women and acknowledging that what he did was evil. Good for you, 25 years later. You know, thanks for coming to the show that we knew a long time ago. They're a little bit like, you know, science versus religion, especially when I'm talking Christianity and Judaism. Uh, when when we, we Jews and Christians knew the Big Bang way before science ever did, right? We are the ones who discovered, and I say we, and I, I say collectively, the Christians and the Jews, the religious uh, nuts out there, and I put nuts in quotes, we are the ones who figured out that the earth revolved around the sun and night, ver- night vice versa. Galileo was a, was a devout Catholic. He wasn't an atheist, as they would love to think of him, like, as, as if he was an outsider from Catholicism. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, they, they, they look back in the past, and then they finally acknowledge that they were, not that they were wrong, they recognized the evil, and they distanced themselves from well, it. bandwagon thinking, or uh, yeah. me also thinking. I'm not going to say me too thinking, because right. that's been pirated over to mean something Good else. Good point. But, it, you know, it's like the, the nerdy kid who comes and says, yeah, yeah, I just found this new ba- this great new band. Yeah, who? The Beatles! <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, we know about them. Yeah, that's right. No way! I'm the only one who knows about that. Uh, yeah, no, they like that. Yeah. Uh, some people have heard about them. You know, well, they, they, what they do is they... They dis- have disdain for fascism, for example, and then they proclaim wrongly that they had no- that 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 liberalism has nothing to do with fascism. In fact, they couldn't be further away from fascism. And then and then they say, you know, now they begin to say the Soviet-style communism was horrible, which is true. Uh, but then they say that <clears throat> today's liberalism has nothing to do with Soviet-style communism. They dis- and then now, of course, with Bill Clinton, and I don't mind putting them in the same camp as fascism and communism, by the way. Of course, he's one man. It's a very different story. But nevertheless, uh, they look back on him and they say, oh, you know, today, uh, today's liberalism, that's, uh, we reject uh, what Bill Clinton did and, and all that. We need a, a good leader. Yeah, like Bernie. Bernie's <laughs> Bernie. good. Yeah, Bernie's good. Yeah, yeah, Bernie. Never mind, he did his honeymoon in, in, uh, in, in the Soviet Union. When it was the Soviet Union, in the, in the height of the Cold War, never mind that he's, he's bizarrely anti-Israel. What, what the frig is that all about? Yeah, for a Jewish guy. Right. And then one day, one day, and I, I hope it's sooner rather than later, they will look back on the, the conflict between the Arab states and Israel, Arab states on the one hand and Israel on the other, and say, wow, uh, you know, those, those Arab states, what they were doing with this radical Islam, this radical crap, that was bad, bad stuff. You know, we, and we had nothing to do with it. Yeah, we never that's what That's what will happen. We never yeah. support Yeah, ne- never, never. This, this genital mutilation thing, this burqa stuff, this enslavement stuff under Sharia law, we, we were not jiggy with that. We fought yeah. that. But you know what's so convenient for us now is that there's going to be 
and it's used against us a whole bunch, you know. Um, and when I say us, I'm sort of collectively about all Americans, how, you know, our tweets get dug through and Kevin Hart, oh, my God, you made a distasteful joke in 1984. Right. You know, yeah, or something. So true. The great thing is now there's a Twitter record of everyone, so we'll be able to say, oh, oh, no, 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 oh, au contraire, mon frere. Right. <laughs> you were quite in support of the BDS movement and the student for justice in Palestine and, you know, against all... Everything Jewish, Israeli, and Zionist entity kind of thing, and uh, the, sure the enough, you ever... were not on the right side of history, were you? Right. You know what? The most anyone would ever find of me, um, tweet-wise, a radio show, because I have a radio show on Sundays, and of course this podcast. The only thing they would ever find is me saying, "I really hope that Trump doesn't win the nomination." Right. Uh, we were both of us were concerned about it. Uh, I preferred. Uh, I preferred, uh, as you and I both did, what's his name? Ted, Ted Cruz, Cruz, right? But at the end of the day, I really did like Trump. And I was once he was on board, I was totally on board with him. I began to like him more and more. And that's where you and I kind of separated a little bit. Then you came back to Trump, and you're really happy with him. And that's great. In fact, you're, you're, you're a better defender of Trump than I am, uh, simply because you're more informed. Um, well, but, you go to work every day, sell out. <laughs> that's, that's I right. sit and I read nothing but the news that's right. hour after hour after hour that's just right. so I can be first to tell my friends, <laughs> exactly. hey, look at this. All right, that's <laughs> right. That's right. So th that's the most you'll get on me. Yeah. That's the most. And, and there was a time, I, there was one radio show, and I'll, and I'll announce it right now, one radio show I did, I think shortly after Trump said that comment he did about John McCain, Right. And I really didn't like it. I still don't like it. I think it was, I think, you know, he, he owes an apology for that. I think it was very distasteful. It was too much. It too, went too far. And, and he wasn't even running for president. I mean, he, was, he wasn't one of, the, one, of the, one of his rival candidates, right? And so I, I said, oh, I despise this man. For, certainly I despise him for what he said. But that's it. That's the most you'll get out of me. Yeah, and you see, this is the great difference between you and I. And I think this is, you know, this is diversity of our strength actually embodied in reality, right? Okay. okay. For me, I love that comment. That's the, <laughs> that, of all the things Trump did, that was actually the best. I see. All right. Well. And, and that was, you know, it's because when we get that Trump, the Trump who's hammering the Republican establishment that I despise more than any Democrat in the country yeah. or in, in history, actually, because without Republican establishment, moderate turds, Democrats would never win <laughs> ever. OK, yeah, perfect yeah. example. The Bushes threw away the Reagan revolution. They did. They threw it away. That's right. In, in, the in whole compassionate conservatism crap. Yeah. In, I remember in that. In four short years after Reagan left office, Bush throws away about two-thirds of the, of the Reagan revolution. And then in the eight years of George W. Bush... Well, is he going to, um, you know, reestablish Reaganism? No, he buried it. Yeah, <laughs> okay? he did. And, and there would have been no Clinton and no Obama, save for those two Bushes. Yeah. And he, they utterly failed to win the culture war or defend the culture war or even fight the t damn culture war. And uh, so when, when Trump went after McCain like that, oh, Manna from heaven for me. You know, ambrosia. Here's, here's one thing that was very good about that. Um, and again, not so much that specific comment, but it was an invitation, in fact, a direct encouragement to look at things very differently and to say, 
don't make him a, in this case, John McCain. Don't make him a war hero. He he didn't get you know he, he wasn't a hero. He he survived. That's great. Um, but my heroes are the ones who survive, and that's the that's his expectations. He he, there's there's the standard is so low, uh, and I'm not talking now about John McCain. By the way, I'm really I'm making this very clear. Yeah, I am. You're not. Right, I don't want to. I don't want people to hear what they want to hear on this one. Right, I'm specifically so I'll make it saying. Absolutely clear. I'm here to bury John McCain. You're here to praise him. Right. Okay. I I do think John McCain was a war hero. I think he was a horrible politician. Uh, he was very bad for America. I think he was a fool. And frankly, I think he he, he was, at the, at the end of the day, ended up being, he ended up working for evil whether he realized it or not. That's what I think about John McCain. Now, having pushed that to the side now, and again, I'm not saying this about John McCain. I am saying that Trump went into D.C. to say the standards here are so bizarrely low, we cannot continue this way. We have to expect much more from Washington. Treat them like a business, if you like, and he is, of course, a businessman. And what these people have been doing is like, I don't know, if you ever saw the movie uh, Stand and Deliver, right? Okay, so this is a movie where it's it's in the barrio, you know, here in downtown Los Angeles. East L.A. East L.A. Yeah. With mostly Hispanic kids. Who, All Hispanic right, kids. <laughs> who, who are in public school, and one teacher says, hey, you can do better, Right. And he not only can they do better, but the, he actually pushes them to an AP calculus class, and he teaches them and gets them to rise way above their expectations. And of course, there's a tremendous resistance, isn't there? Right? And the resistance says, "What are you doing to these kids? You're gonna you know, give them a false hope, and then they're gonna dash. Uh, they're gonna be destroyed. And then what? What have what will you have done? You know, give them just a little bit. And and what they wanted him, him to teach was something like algebra, and say, okay." What is A when a 2A plus 2A equals 5 or whatever, okay? So what is A? No, I don't want that. You want something very different. You want calculus and to say this is what you can do. And that's what Trump did. Yeah, He, he was like that teacher in Stand yeah. and Deliver. And he expects people to deliver. Yeah, it's it's an antidote to the everyone gets a trophy thing. Yes. And this is my criticism of the Bushes and the Bushes and the McCains and the establishment Republicans in that they are just as bad as Democrats as far as having, even if they don't say it, okay, because remember, we hear it and we see it, it's what is, not what is said. They are just as bad as Democrats as far as being everyone gets a trophy mentality. McCain gets a trophy. He's a hero. Well, who did he save? Well, no one. Oh, he just kept his mouth shut and spent more time in prison? Okay, great. But that doesn't get you a trophy. That's right. not a war hero. How many Nazis did he shoot out of this guy? How many Japanese did Doolittle shoot out of this guy? That's a war hero. Yeah, right? you know what? This is my same complaint, by the way, of, of so many Hollywood movies as of late. Uh, these movies, uh, and I'll give you one exception in a moment, but these movies that, uh, especially when it's dealing with Iraq or Afghanistan, or Somalia, for example, they're all, they all have the same concept. Uh, they, the, the, the soldiers found themselves stuck in a horrible situation, and now they've got to get the hell out of Dodge, and let's look at this fantastic retreat and how brave these men were to save themselves and others as well in this horrible cluster F. Right, that they found themselves in. They fought with all the valor of a blue helmet from the UN. Right. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, that, yeah. that, that, I mean, I like, mean, they retreated with yeah, all the so, valor. Yeah. So, a good example of that is Black Hawk Down. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, this is what what happened, 
and how did they get out of there and the, the Somalia and it's a, it's a kind of like a, a you know a subtle indictment of our presence there and what we were doing there and such okay and then you've got uh, movies like um, Soul Survivor. I so, think oh yeah, good, very one. good example. Another Soul Survivor uh, movie, exactly about that, where they found themselves stuck in Afghanistan, and how the hell are they going to get out of this this really sticky situation? And and they were brave men because I mean they they didn't make the decision to be there. Here they are. By the way, my brother is making a movie exactly on this. It's it's called The Outpost, and it's going to be coming out I think in mid um, 2019. And it's, it's, I've already seen a lot of clips from it. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but, you know, and it's going to be great. A really, really good shot because my brother's a fantastic movie director. But it's exactly about this. It's about a secret outpost. Not a secret outpost. It was a, an outpost that was at the bottom of this valley, uh, which was a poor decision to be placed there. And these men were ambushed, uh, you know, ultimately by the Afghanis who got finally got armed enough to do a full full scale attack and these very brave men and how the hell they got out of there but it's again part of the same theme yeah so where where are the movies where they show the the full scale attack the smart attack the destruction of the enemy and they win right and this is how they won the freaking war team Have America. they turned the World police. <laughs> That's right. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, they could gun for that matter. Yeah, let's, exactly. let's do that. Ah, oh, man. But no, he, I'm serious. That was the whole theme of Team America World Police. The beautiful thing is America, uh, uh, you know what that uh, yeah, uh, means. Yeah. Right. And it was about us going in and kicking ass over the lamentations of Michael Moore. That's right. I mean, the okay. Lamentations. <laughs> All right. So, so then you have um, movies... Uh, like, uh, for example, I forget what the movie is. Oh, well, The Bridge Over the River Kwai, which is a great movie, but that's not quite what I'm talking about. The Guns I've Never Owned, right? How they destroyed the the, the bad guys um, uh, team. Uh, there was a there was a decent movie a while ago a while ago called U571 or something like that about the submarines. It was that was cool too. But even Dunkirk is another good example of what I was just talking about, right? The British, in this case, the British, because the Americans were not yet involved in in the war at that point. But the British had to retreat from Dunkirk, and they did so brilliantly, uh, a lot with the imagination of, of one Winston Churchill. Great. But it sucked. And that's what the movie was about, about this fantastic retreat. Well, how about you know a great movie like um, a Saving Private Ryan, right? Which in and of itself is a great movie. I love it. But it's not really about successfully defeating the Germans, right? The movie was about rescuing... A, a private named Private Ryan for, for reasons that they're not important to talk about right now. This wasn't a strategic movie. How do we get the bad guys? It was about pl- plucking out yet another American soldier who's in harm's way. That's what it was about. We need a movie, and, and, the, and people would race to it if you did a movie that people, where, where we show the Americans winning and, you know, cleverly, Defying the odds. I love that. I have no problem with defying the odds. Why don't we have a Rocky, okay? A Rocky movie uh, where, where America is the Rocky. I, I have a better one for you. Come okay. on. That's the a Rocky, good one. The Rocky is President Trump against all odds. Yeah. Okay? Beats the evil Clintons, takes the throne. I know yeah. it's not a throne. It's a White House, but whatever. And then on the first night of Christmas... My true love gave to me an itchy finger triggery, and he launches a worldwide nuclear attack on every bad guy, 
And in a flash of light that surrounds the world in a dramatic ring of fire, looking a lot like Santa's flight from the North Pole down to the South Seas, every bad guy on planet Earth is incinerated. I like it. Because why the hell, with modern weapons, do we put troops in harm's way other than to have them retreat, right? It's it's a very good no, point. No, but I make a point. Yes, of course. There should do. no there should be no reason for war hero movies at all. You push a button, flash a light, they're gone. Okay, but that's another okay? story. That's another story. But that's you're, how you win. I, I okay. You you're going really far afield, and we're already far afield as yeah, it is. Yeah, but I'm right. In this okay. case, Trump would get the trophy and earn it. Okay. What I'm saying is, we need a Rocky where America is the Rocky. I think that's. That would do so well because, first of all, we know the movie Rocky, against all odds, did so well, right? So, Sylvester Stallone at the time was a nobody. He, he insisted that he play the lead role in this, and and the studio said, no, no. He said, no, either you do this my way or we don't do it at all. And so he, they did it his way, and of course, the rest is history. And every single one of the Rocky movies is the same theme, right? The underdog. Somehow, even when he's uh, the champion, he's still the underdog somehow. Uh, he's the underdog to himself, and there's a smart theme about it, and, and there's a human nature. We want a Rocky movie where America is the Rocky, and it would do freaking well. How do we know? Because Rocky did well. People love that, the underdog story, and I, I would love to see that. It, it wouldn't be that hard. Or Israel. You know, now, a lot, of, a lot of American audiences don't like to see movies about uh, foreign nations. I get that. They don't. But even so, I mean, Israel's the ultimate underdog when you think about it. What they did in the Six-Day War, the brilliance of that, and, and, and how they, they came from almost total annihilation to not only winning the war, but uh, you know, enlarging their size by three times their original size. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly historically uh, the, the most significant land uh, growth in, in the history of the world out of one six-day war. Six days. So that's a cool story. Yeah, then they talk had, about not not getting involved in a quagmire. Right. 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 And then, okay. So then, then, then there are there are missed opportunities, right? So Munich, for example. Okay. We all know what really happened in, in the Munich story. Okay. Tragic thing where eleven, I believe it was eleven Israeli athletes were murdered by these Palestinian terrorist bastards, right? Like the chicken craps that they are. And then, uh, shortly after that. Golda Meir, this is her best thing she ever did as prime minister. She convenes a, a secret um, team, Mossad agents, to go kill these bastards one at a time. It's, a, it's an exciting, the truth is an exciting story. It's a fantastic story. It's very, very cool. And what do they do? And what does Steven Spielberg do? He, he just fictionalizes the whole story instead of, and, and making, making it seem as if somehow these, these Israeli Mossad agents who are doing this stuff are, are having second thoughts and doubts, and this is about how they're not really getting accomplished anything that they ever wanted to accomplish. It's such garbage. It didn't happen that yeah, way. Yeah, it's always the little girl answers the phone. No, 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 don't blow up the building then. No, no, yeah, blow exactly. it up. Yeah, exactly. Blow right. it up. No, but, but what they actually did was, was pretty awesome, and it was a great story of getting back at the bad guys, these chicken crap bastards. Yeah. Right, same thing um, with the raid on Entebbe. Right, they have yet to make a good movie on the raid on Entebbe, and they recently put out one, and again they made it some sort of lefty interpretation. This is one of the best raids ever. It was it was so perfectly planned, 
And the, the the one guy who died was, I mean, even that was a heroic thing that he had done, the John Jonathan Netanyahu, the brother of Bibi Netanyahu. So, and, and the brilliance of it and, and saving and rescuing people who were hostages, what could go, wh why couldn't you just make a, a decent movie based upon that? But people don't like that. And Trump, now going back to Trump, he's saying, let's do it differently. Let's do it the right way. Let's do all this the right way. Yeah, if we have a war hero, he's a war hero. He's a war We're hero. not going to just give you a trophy because they put you in a cage. You know? hey, hey, look, he, John McCain, to, still to my mind, is a hero. There's no, no getting around it. But I do like that. I'll remind you. No. <laughs> no. Not going to be all gone again. But no. what he does, but what, he, what Trump has done so well is to, to go in and show these, these assholes in uh, Congress and the Senate who pat themselves on the back. Republicans, too, establishment Republicans, for passing these bizarre uh, legislations that only hurt the country, like uh, uh, McCain-Feingold. Oh, there's John McCain again, huh? Yeah, or Paul Ryan's budgets, yeah. Right, and, and they just think that they are the greatest things since sliced bread, and look how much we accomplished. You accomplished nothing, you losers. You go in there, and you, you pass these, these bills doing what exactly? Yeah. What are you accomplishing? You, you are spending money up the wazoo. And you expect us to to say thank you very much? Can we have some more? Yeah, Are you kidding? Yet. You you've, you've aggrandized and enlarged government to a point that we can't. We don't even know how many felonies we're committing a day, and and it, it's crippling our economy. And you expect us to respect you? Yeah, I have a quick question for you, and this is on topic. Uh, we're sitting in an office at your law firm right now. How many non-essential employees do you have working for you? Zero. Why? Because I can't afford to waste it. So anything. why the hell does our government have not essential employees? I, 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 right? I know, yeah, that's the government <laughs> shutdown. You know, like, what, what the hell is this? Yeah. They're non-essential. Fire their asses. Right. Right? And, you know, Paul wait, Ryan. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, hold on. It's a little bit like... Wait, wait hold on. This, this is going to love this, this, this thing. I'm going to make two analogies. And I, and I really uh -huh. love when I said, do you have any non-essential employees working for you? And you didn't say, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, why are you here anyway? Anyway, you're not my employee just for legal purposes. He's an independent contractor. Right. All right, good. We're done. <laughs> so uh, stop touching me there, Ari. Okay. Oh, it's too, I can't it's do anything about the, it. It's, it's an independent work, contractor. Uh, yeah. It's part of the work uh, agreement we have. Oh, jeez, Louise. <laughs> it's always descending this this podcast. All right. So, now look, let's let's say I had an employee who didn't show up for two months, and then I then I realized, well, wait a minute, our net profits are are much higher. We we really did pretty well without Johnny, and then Johnny comes back because for whatever reason he he's okay now. And we say, uh, hey, Johnny, <laughs> uh, thanks for coming. Listen, um, do, do you, I mean, if you want to find another job, it's okay. <laughs> we, we would sure miss you. But uh, look, I mean, that, that's obvious, right? So and then, and then a, more, I mean, a more fun example is in The Simpsons. As you know, everything in life can be taught through and, uh, and by The Simpsons. And there's an episode where... Um, they, they just, you know, Homer is out of the uh, out of the office for quite a while, and <laughs> Burns wants him to come back because he's a safety inspector. And uh, Smithers, who's the uh, his sycophant uh, assistant, says, "Are you sure you want Mr. Simpson's back?" 
why not? He says to Smithers. And he shows him a graph <laughs> where deadly accidents have substantially decreased over time since, since Homer's departure. <laughs> and, and that's the way it is with, with the government. Like what, what would happen... It's speaking about the non-essential stuff that you just mentioned, because right. we're in the middle of the government shutdown now. I'm sure we'll get back. Oh, to I the... hope we're not in the middle. I hope we're just still in the. Oh beginning. yeah, the very beginning. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I, I get it. I want the first six months just to be the very beginning. So let's say let's th- let's say it takes a year, okay? And we discover, you know what? The country ran just fine. In fact, nobody got hurt whatsoever, and in fact, we have a lot more money in the coffers, and uh, you know this limited—it's truly limited government, or right. at least more limited government. Uh, seems to be doing well. <clears throat> Let's see what else we can cut, right? <laughs> yeah, let's because I'll t- Let's see what else we can <clears throat> limit, right? <laughs> right. If I, let's say let's say I had file five file clerks. I only need one, okay. And even then, I don't need it a full time basis. Let's say I had five of them all of a sudden, and I cut one of them. I say, you know, I, it's just too expensive to have five of you guys full time. So yeah, sure enough, things pick up. I get a, a higher net profit. What am I going to do? Oh, let's see if this keeps on going. So I say, I, the, the fourth guy, oh, it's even better. The third guy, you think I'm not going to keep on going until I get it right? Of course. The difference is, of course, that uh, there's no boss. You know, you can say the president's the boss, I, I guess, but he's not. It's not, it's not in the same way. To, there's so much entanglement. It's, unfortunately, there's no comparison to the private sector. Uh, because there's nobody in charge, and there's just people who have, you know, gimmies and grabbies, and that's the way it works for them. And no one, no one ever stops to think this is not an efficient way to, to run. Yeah, like Robert Mueller's team. Who's running that? Yeah, oh, <laughs> great, ex- great example. It's, it's all over the place. Global warming, you know, the, the so-called investigation into the horrible warming of our planet is, is just running away with itself. It just, as, as it's running away as fast as the global warming that they claim to be happening, okay? That's the only thing that actually is running away, uh, is the accountability for any of this, this crap happening. Which leads us back, by the way, to our main theme. People hear what they want to hear, okay? So in the case of, in the, case of the, the government and, and uh, the way they operate, they want to hear that their spending habits are great. They want to hear that they, they want to pat themselves on the back to say how effective and how many pieces of legislation they had they've passed and they can go home to their constituents and be proud of it they want to hear that that uh, global warming is uh, you know that there's there's uh, an approach to it and they're going to sign legislation to to affect that they want to hear all those things but you know at the end of the day there's a famous expression people want to hear good news about their bad habits it's one of my favorite expressions they want to be told, for example, that, uh, you know... How healthy the heroin they shoot is. Yes, yeah, they that's do. Right. They want it, that, that marijuana is not so bad for you, that, that shooting, uh, that smoking is not bad for you, that, you know, eating meat or butter or whatever... I knew you bring it, Yeah, there you go, uh, is, is somehow good for you or not bad for you. So, you know, they, they want to hear that. And the same thing is true. They want to hear about... And, and I think one of the reasons why Trump has gotten so much resistance is because... He's not letting them hear what they want to hear. And that's a very powerful part of the problem. That's, that explains everything that we see in Washington right now, Ari. I, 
Uh, and and I and I hate and in it. the public around our neighborhoods, yeah. where these people are hysterical with hysterical. Like chickens without heads running around, ah, 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 and we're like, uh, it's not that bad, you know, like right. that that line from that Saturday Night Live sketch you showed me that yeah, was so hysterical. funny. What's not to love? Right. I said that to someone the other day. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. What's not to love? Well, what the what the lefties <laughs> want to hear is they want to hear what Obama told them, which is uh, the economy is going great. There's a new normal, and I'm, you know, I'm doing great in the new normal. Uh, you know, we have uh, a deal with the Iranians, right? And it's great. We're going to stop that. They want to hear all this crap. But the, the problem is that it's like being told that your heroin addiction is just fine. It's totally under, under control. Yeah. I have a piece of paper from Hitler. Right. He signed it. Peace in our That's time. Right. <laughs> it's going to be great. Right. Right. I've got this. You, no doctor has ever said to uh, any patient, yeah, you don't have an alcohol problem. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you keep it up. Seven <laughs> drinks right. a day. That's you right. try eight. That's, that's right. <laughs> I think you're okay, buddy. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, well, what about those people I ran over? That's all right. Yeah. That's the driving part. You'll work they're, they're such, Don't let them be naysayers. Right. <laughs> you control your own destiny, buddy. That's, that, that's the way they look at it. They, they, they're fascinating to me. And they want to hear, most importantly, and going back to our little comment about, you know, you show me one program that liberals have advanced, that conservatives have opposed, that has worked, right? They want to hear, well, what they don't want to hear is that it's not worked. They want to believe that everything is working, that their policies are working, whatever they are. They, they don't, they can't see it. They can't smell it. They can't hear it. They just want to know it's, it's, it's working. Those guys are doing it. But they don't want to hear it. They want to hear what they want to hear. And it's always been that way. And it takes a good degree of effort and uh, vigilance and diligence to fight yourself on this, to understand that just wanting to hear things is not the same things as reality. That explains everything that we see in Washington and in our personal lives. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.